you have your Bibles, let me ask you to take those out. And while you do, let me ask you a question. How many of you, just curious, not looking to spark a debate, just curious, how many of you have voted already? Already been a part of early voting. Good job. Thank you for that. Um, don't forget to vote, please, and uh, be a part of the process. And uh, I want you to look in 2 Samuel chapter 6 with me this morning. And, and the song that uh, Greg just led is one that I didn't prep him for, but couldn't be more of a perfect segue into our topic today. And uh, I want to discuss this morning this topic of worship and um, give you some thoughts about it. And uh, I think that that was a very, if you looked at the way uh, those words were crafted, was a very appropriate um, theme as we go into, again, we're kind of hopping from 1 Samuel into 2 Samuel now, and uh, dealing with the life of David. And uh, I appreciate Greg stepping in. And uh, Jody had a, he turned 50 this year, had a celebration and a whole trip planned uh, to go to Hawaii to celebrate and uh, was unable to do so. And uh, this morning, I know he's online or he said he was going to be online and uh, watching his live stream. He's sitting on the beach in Florida and that was his compromise. So they were able to get, get away for the weekend. And so um, I appreciate Greg stepping in for him in his absence uh, and so let me ask you, you just sang a song that was, was very sincerely written, the, the idea of taking everything and putting it off on the sidelines and uh, really honing in on and concentrating and focusing in on what the actual heart of worship is all about. And uh, if you woke up this morning on a Sunday, and instead of being able to come to church, maybe you lived in a remote location and all you had... Um, on a Sunday morning um, was God's Word. That's it. Uh, you didn't have the ability to come together to church. You didn't, have, um, you didn't have any ability to come and sing with other people, no fellowship. It was you and, let's just say, on a, a remote and deserted island. That's all you had was a copy of God's Word and yourself. What would worship look like to you then? How would that look? What would it sound like? What would your involvement in worship be? Um, if you had the ability to wake up at a specific time, when you woke up and you knew that's all you had in, on the Lord's Day, would you be tempted just to roll back over and go to sleep? Maybe there wouldn't be such a sense of urgency and priority knowing that um, I could really do this at any point. There's no 1030 service for me to get to, so I'll just roll back over. And uh, I don't want to ask how many of you were tempted to do that with all the things that we have to look forward to on Sunday. Might be too much honesty for one service. Let me ask you this. Would you read maybe a couple verses from the Bible and then just continue on with your day? Maybe that in your mind is, is what we consider worship to be? Or would your, your Bible be used at all? Or would that day be like any other day because we missed opportunity or we did not have opportunity to come together as a church? What would worship look like for you if all you had was a copy of God's Word and that was it? Because this is where the question gets a little more personal. Is it possible for us to be satisfied with just the presence of God? Or let me ask you this, and this is going to sound very point blank. Or would you wake up and be disappointed that all you had was the Bible and that's it? Would there be a sense of um, inadequacy in your worship if you woke up and all you had was a copy of God's Word? Because if you think about it, I mean, if you consider what we have um, called worship now, or even I think as we, as we look at a sign or look in the bulletin, we refer 
to our 1030 service on a Sunday morning as our worship service. And rightly so, we have opportunities to give, we have opportunities to worship through service, through song, through studying God's Word. All of that is, is accurate and true. However, um, have we gotten accustomed to thinking that worship is, is what we've just done for the past 25 minutes or so? I want to share with you, before we go any farther into this, just a little bit about our philosophy of ministry and and how this church is looking into the future to serve together um, when it comes to this idea of worship. If we were to take all of this stuff off the platform, the guitars, the microphones, um, this weird light that for some reason is still shining up here, and we take all of that and we strip it down to where we have just God's Word, do you think people would come to church? Now, I know you come because of the light. Is that, that's, the, that's the give, right? That, you are here because of this light that is never the same color Sunday after Sunday. That's why you're here. If you take all of that stuff and you remove all of it and you knew we are just coming together this Sunday morning at 1030 to study God's Word, would you still come? I'm, I'm not suggesting that that will be the, the end result of 2020. I mean, that, that's not why I'm asking it. Because he, here is my fear. Is there a chance... Just a chance that we have carefully crafted a Sunday morning experience that is engaging, um, but have indoctrinated people to a point where worship is something that only occurs for about an hour on Sunday morning, and that's it. Because if we're not in the building, and if we don't have music, and if we don't have a guitar, and we don't have a pastor in the room, or we don't have Sunday school classes, we can only worship that Sunday morning, and the other six days a week... We can't worship. Let me ask you this. Could we have, even with pure motives, created a consumeristic approach in what church looks like to where worship is done how we want it and we take it all in on Sunday mornings, but the rest of the week is ours to use as we see fit? Because as Greg just led us, if, if all the was to fade in, backdrop, everything that we have to enjoy together here, if we were to go back even to a position like the early church found themselves in, would we be as drawn to come together as a church if we had all of that stuff removed? I understand we live in in an extremely visual world. I get that. I don't think there's anything intrinsically sinful with PowerPoint, with lighting, special effects, multimedia, all of that stuff. We live in a visual world. Those are important. Listen, some people right now are watching us online and are doing so visually because of this magic called the internet. So it's not that we're opposed to it, but my concern is this morning is when the experience becomes the reason for coming to church. And if that is the case, we've missed the boat on what worship is. Worship isn't about an experience. It's not about having everything, all of our I's dotted and our T's crossed so that service performs perfectly and there's no hitches, although we aim and we strive for excellence because that's the God that we serve as a God of excellence. But listen, when we become that locked into what service and, and worship looks like, I wonder if we've missed the mark of really worshiping Christ because we're so consumed with all the other stuff. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we have a mission statement around here that is more than just a phrase that's printed on a wall or on a bulletin. 
It reads this, we come together as a church and exist to love God, to love people. Do you know the last phrase? And to serve the world. Let me, let me give you just a, a little bit of a, a philosophy. We're going to jump into 2 Samuel 6. You're going to see how all this ties together. You know, COVID has taught us a lot of things. And when it comes to church, one thing is certainly true. Doing church can actually hurt the church. We can become so crazy busy in the church that we miss the mark. And we're wearing ourselves out trying to open up the newest ministry or have the greatest of everything. And before we realize that we are investing so much into doing church that we forget that church is not about doing, it's about worshiping, it's about Christ. And over this season of this, this COVID and all the weirdness of the past several months, we have prayed about and earnestly feel like God is leading us to this three-phase mission for every person who comes into this building. Loving God. Let me ask you, if you were to get introduced to God in the ministries of this church, I, I don't know if that's, if that's ringing to anybody else, but um, it might just be my ears, but it's, it's ringing a little bit there, Mike. Our mission of, of loving God is accomplished primarily in this room. More people come and visit a church for a morning service. They have their first um, introduction to who God is in a church service. And, and then you have this loving people, and that's where our Sunday school program comes in. Listen, if you weren't here at 9.30 this morning, I promise you, you missed out. Guarantee you, you missed out. And if you're trying to figure out what, where they meet, what, who, what are the different classes? When you go out the door, on the wall there, underneath the love people, we have some cards that are established that will tell you who the teachers are, where they meet, what time, and how you can get a hold of them if you'd like to learn more about them or the class. But I'm going to tell you that loving, learning to love God in service is primary. It's important. It's vital. But also coming together in that small group so that you can fellowship, so that you can encourage, that's healthy. The interaction right there, listen, the small group is, is the heartbeat of this church. And if you're missing it, you're not, you're not plugged in. And then you have the idea of serving the world. We must never become a church that is all about us. Because that's not it. That's a social club. We're not that. We are called to a higher calling. So once our love is directed towards God primarily, we learn how to love each other, then as a collective whole, we go out the back doors and we find ways to serve the world together. So that's kind of our philosophy. It's not just three statements to print. That is the filter by which we run every decision through. And as we get to the text in 2 Samuel 6, we do a quick flyover over the first five chapters just to give you, again, uh, not really studying all of the chronology of David. Uh, we'd be there a long time if we did. But the first five chapters of 2 Samuel, here's what you missed. The Philistines killed 30,000 Israeli soldiers. They again took the Ark of the Covenant. And that was, as we get into chapter 6, 75 years ago that that happened. Saul took his own 